Welcome into the debut episode of the Out of Options podcast. I am your host, Stephen Spector. Please remember to subscribe and please download each individual episode on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll be releasing new episodes every Tuesday during the baseball season on the Out of Options podcast. To give you a little background on why I'm starting this podcast, I am the program director here for 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City, the home for Royals baseball. And this really all started about three years ago during COVID when we were all looking for things to do and stumbled upon playing MLB The Show on Xbox because, again, just looking to kill time as we were all stuck in our houses for most of March, April, and May. And I really got into the minor league system for the Kansas City Royals and trying to build a dominant franchise through the MLB The Show you know, series. And that's kind of coupled with something that I've also really gotten into, which is storytelling, personality-driven podcasts. I love Hard Knocks on HBO, the All or Nothing series on Amazon Prime. And while those aren't podcasts, I do love the storytelling behind the scenes, off the field of professional athletes. And that's the goal. The goal is to get to know the next wave of Kansas City Royals who are currently playing in the minor leagues, how they got there, what their aspirations are, who their idols are, and everywhere in between. We just want to peel back the curtain and give you an inside look as to what it's like playing in the minor leagues and being part of the Royals organization. The guys that I'm talking to have plenty of options, so don't let the title of the podcast let you think otherwise. But the format of this podcast will be largely interview-based. It is not for me to give opinions on the current state of the Royals. It's to get to know the players. And for the debut episode, I don't think there's a better guest than Ben Kaderna. Maybe one of the hardest names to pronounce in the entire Royals organization, which is why you probably won't hear me say his name a bunch on this podcast. But, you know, I checked with the play-by-play announcer for the Columbia Fireflies of the Carolina League where Ben is currently playing. And the play-by-play announcer told me that Ben pronounces it one way, his father pronounces it another way, and his mom pronounces it another way. But we're going to go with the way Ben pronounces it. It's Ben Kuderna. And Ben is the number two Royals prospect on MLB.com. But maybe more importantly, because this is the debut episode, Ben is a Kansas City native and a Blue Valley Southwest graduate in class of 2021. A second round pick of the Royals, 43rd overall in that 2021 MLB draft. And at just 20 years old, again, is the number two prospect in the Royals organization playing for the Columbia Fireflies in low A in the Carolina League. Now, just to be completely transparent, uh, we recorded this interview. I had a microphone, and the microphone died halfway through the interview, which I was uh, unable to realize until well after. So my hope is that in future episodes, the audio quality will be a little bit better. But for today's episode, I started talking with Ben about his memories from the 2014 and 2015 World Series teams and what those teams meant to him as a middle schooler growing up in Kansas City. I'd say those were probably the first two big years that you know I remember most. Obviously, when I was younger and I was still a fan, uh, I went to a couple games, but you know didn't remember a ton, ton from back then. But um, those 14 and 15 years were, were definitely special and um, very memorable. Did you get to go to any games? Do you have any like specific recollections of? You know, the wild card game in Salvi's head or game six in the 15 ALCS, anything like that? 
Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to go to any of them. I was lucky enough. I think probably my favorite memory at the K was when I was in sixth grade. I went with a buddy and my dad and myself, and we got to sit in the little dugout, like the fan dugout next yeah. to next to the Royals dugout, and got to take a picture with Slugger. And so that was probably my favorite game I've been at. But um, I can remember the story of the wild card game is we were, I was in seventh grade and I was helping out with our football practice and we stopped football practice in the middle. Like we were running offensive drills in the middle of it. And everybody just stopped. Cause one of the managers was like, something's about to happen. Something's about to happen. They're coming up. And so everybody stopped practicing. We all huddled around the phone and, and watched the end of that game. So that was definitely a pretty fond memory. I've been lucky to go to a lot of sporting events in my life. That wild card game in 2014 was about as memorable a moment for me. I mean, I'm a member of the media and I'm walking in the locker room and I'm getting doused with champagne. Like mm -hmm. those are the moments you don't forget. I'm sure you kind of, one of these days, I'm not sure you dreamed about getting drafted by the Royals, but I'm sure you kind of dream as a professional athlete for those moments. Absolutely. Did you get to go to the parade at all? Yep. Yep. I got to go to the, uh, the parade in 15. We, uh, we sat, I can't remember where we went. It was me, my whole family went. They canceled school um, that yeah. week and they canceled school that day. So, um, you know, we got to go to, we sat up on the hill um, and watched kind of their, their meeting um, and, and celebration after the whole kind of parade went through the city. And then they finally, you know, landed in their final spot. So I uh, got to go. That was really cool. Saw a bunch of friends, everybody, obviously, you know, everybody was there, but um, that was a, a super cool experience. Cars were just like, parked on the exit ramps it was it was yep. one of the most lawless days i've ever been a part of absolutely it was a uh it was definitely not probably planned for as many people that were there <laughs> but i'm glad it was because it was, it was super cool so i grew up playing baseball i always wanted to be chipper jones like me and my dad in the backyard we played the chipper jones game i played defense for the first eight innings pitch for the ninth like that was my guy still wear 10 in all the sports that i play beer league obviously but like still we're 10 <laughs> to this day who who was like who was that guy for you growing up was it a royal was it someone else in major league baseball is anybody from that 14 or 15 team so i've had a few i'd say probably my first big one and, and longest standing one was ian kinsler when he played for the rangers so when i moved to dallas um and lived there for quite a while we got to go to a bunch of rangers games just through my dad's work um so I was always a Royals fan, but we just would go and watch the games. Uh, but for some reason, I just fell in love with his game, and I loved watching him play. I had his jersey. Um, so before I became a PO and kind of found out pitching was going to be my thing, uh, I always wanted to be like Ian Kinsler. That was my big one. And then obviously, um, you know, in today's game, I'd say I probably, you know, try to learn and just emulate from people more than, um, you know, idolize people. But there's still definitely some dudes that, um, you know, it's special to watch, obviously, um, the Grom's up there and, and he's pretty cool because we share spring training with the Rangers. So I got to see him throw, uh, two or three times this year in spring training, which was really, really cool. Um, but you know, where I train in the off season, um, Scherzer and Verlander both go there. They're at the same place. So I got to watch both those dudes throw and, um, you know, kind of pick their brains whenever. So there's a lot of guys. And then, you know, my big thing is I just like learning from them, watching them, you know, just trying to understand why they're so good at the game and, you know, how they're Hall of Famers. Ian Kinsler used to mash. I swear he he was like the best fantasy baseball second baseman yeah. for probably five <laughs> years. This is probably even a little bit before your time. But, man, I remember I had Ian Kinsler on some fantasy baseball teams. He 
he was a great second baseman in a, yeah. for a long, long time. It was always fun to watch him. So let's go back to high school. Like I, I may have this probably a little bit wrong, but you're a junior. COVID strikes March 2020. You know, for someone who was who's I'm sure has been trained to be a professional athlete and and someone who wanted to get drafted. Obviously, we'll we'll get to kind of LSU stuff in a moment, but. Like, what was that like right before the high school baseball season is about to start? School gets shut down. How do you how do you pivot and continue to kind of work on your craft despite not being able to see anybody or go indoors and train? What was that like? Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a little bit of a gut punch. That's for sure. I remember, um, you know, my junior years is when it hit for us and uh, we'd gotten through our, our first week of practice and, and we came back on a Monday to show up to practice and our entire team walked out to the field and they had like district weather locks on the field that like we couldn't get through. And so uh, our coach ended up calling and he was like, what's going on? And they were like, yeah, like everything shut down, like no practice, no nothing. So uh, it was definitely a gut punch. Um, but luckily enough, I'm, you know, I've been at building champions in, in that area and, and played there for club ball. And so um I was lucky enough that I could steal a key from from Jeremy um, and sneak into BC at sometimes to to get in lift and get in some work. But you know, right when it kind of happened, no one really knew what to do. Um, everything was shut down, so just try to you know do as much as I could around the house, whether it was you know making up you know weights in the basement, whether it's you know cement blocks or paint buckets or whatever it was. Um, you know, just trying to stay in shape the best way I could, and then um, just playing catch with my dad as much as I could in the backyard because uh, you know it was a, a pretty brief you know two two and a half month period where we didn't know if we were even going to get summer ball um, if we were going to get to play any longer so I was just trying to stay in shape as much as I could for for summer I'm pretty sure that I joined a gym the Monday Kansas City shut down so <laughs> that was bad timing and then I never thought I'd be doing yoga in the basement just to yeah. try and pass the time but I mean, we were all there at some point. We were all trying to figure out a way to get through those first three months. It was, but I just can't imagine like, you know, you're starting your junior season and it's just, it's all in flux. It's just such a, a weird thing to look back on like three months later, basically to right around this time. And then the following year you win Gatorade high school player of the year. I mean, what, what was that like? What was kind of going through your mind when you won and how cool is that for you and your family? It was super cool. Um, you know, I think going into that senior year, um, I think, you know, from an outside, everybody was, you know, are you nervous? Are you, you know, you, the scouts and this and that. And, um, you know, the, the people that told it best was Matt Price, the, the Royals area scout, um, my high school coach, my parents, just all my coaches. They were like, this is your senior year. All you want to do is just go out and have fun. Just go out, enjoy your last year, because after this, you know, you go to college, it's still a job and then you have school or you go to pro ball and then it's really a job and that's all you do. So they were like, you know, take this as just your last year to enjoy it, zone everything else out. And so it's kind of the mentality I took into that year. And I think, um, you know, that's what helped me out the most just because, you know, some of those guys I've been playing with for, you know, six years, um, you know, obviously I went to high school with all of them. So we had a super close knit group uh, and, and guys just wanted to win. And so uh, that group was special. That year was special. And I think just being able to go out and, you know, the accolades are cool, but I think, you know, nothing will top just being able to hold that state trophy up at the end of the year and then being surrounded with all the guys. Um, you know, that was the best part of it. You ever hold that over Carter Jensen's head? <laughs> well, luckily he's over there on the Missouri side. And I know, but still, there's still a rivalry between the state lines, you know? Oh, absolutely. There's, you know, 
the baseball's picked up a lot in that area just from Kansas City and Missouri side. But, um, you know, we talked about it all year. We went back and forth. We were like, oh, we're not playing each other, this, that. So, um, you know, it was exciting, though, to see to see him have a really good year, senior year, and enjoy it. And, and same for me. So before we get to, like, the 2021 draft, you obviously committed to LSU. What were some of the other schools on your list and what kind of ultimately led you to choose, obviously, a great a great baseball program and in the SEC, but what what led you to that decision and who else was on the list? It was an interesting process. It was a fun one. Um, so uh, this is a, kind of a funny story, but so my first offer was West Virginia, my first official offer. And like my junior year, I didn't think I was like, I didn't think I was going to go play in the SEC. Like I wasn't at an SEC caliber player at the time. At least I didn't think so. Yeah. And so West Virginia offered me when we were in a tournament in Atlanta. And that night I got onto fanatics.com and I ordered like a West Virginia hoodie, a West Virginia t-shirt. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to West Virginia, like I'm going to division one. This is going to be so cool. Um, and then obviously, you know, throughout the rest of the summer, I, I had some more offers flowing, which, um, you know, my dad still gives me crap for. He's like, you still owe me 50 bucks for that, you know, that hoodie you bought for West Virginia. Um, but Throughout the year, I mean, I think, you know, I picked it up a little bit and I think I was performing and I was kind of at a different level than I thought I was going to be at, which isn't a bad thing. And I was super excited to see it. Um, so I think, you know, by the end of the summer, I think I'd narrowed down that I wanted to go to the SEC and play. Um, I'd say the next biggest school was Arkansas, just because my older sister was there at the time and would have been there for my freshman year. Um, I'd been down there and obviously been to games. So, um Love the coaching staff, love the campus. Obviously, you, you know, the baseball team's good every year. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, LSU was another big one up there. Um, kind of been one of my dream schools since I was younger. Uh, went on my visit to LSU and, and kind of just fell in love from day one with, you know, from coaching staff, the history of the program, um, the campus, the culture, just everything about it. Um, so I ended up committing at the end of that weekend. Um, the rest was history. You don't have to get too detailed. But I went to LSU for a weekend for a bachelor party for a LSU Auburn game. It was one of the most wild tailgate scenes, the whole nine. I can see why it only took a weekend to commit to LSU in Baton Rouge. It, that's uh, it's a special place. And ironically, the weekend that I went was LSU versus Northwestern. And it was 2019 when it was Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And so it was their national championship year. But, you know, Northwest, it's not like a, you know, Alabama at LSU or Florida at LSU. So it was Northwestern. So it was so crazy, like being from Kansas, you know, a KU or K-State football game isn't, isn't anything like that down there. Um, and so it was super cool to, to see and be a part of. But, uh, yeah, it didn't, it didn't take more than two days for me to be like, yeah, I definitely could see myself down here for three years. Yeah, good spot for sure. So, like, then the draft comes, you know, June 2021. In your wildest dreams, did you ever think – it's going to be the Kansas City Royals. I mean, you obviously, I'm sure, dreamed about being drafted into professional baseball, and then you get drafted by the Royals in your backyard growing up in Coffin Stadium, the parade, you know, six years earlier. How surreal was that moment? It was indescribable. Um, you know, luckily I had the, the opportunity to play with their scout team and kind of get to meet some of the front office and development guys when I was a junior and a senior, um, which – I think made the idea of getting drafted by them a little bit sweeter, obviously being from there. Um, but, you know, the draft is so weird that you can't really, you know, put your finger on one team and say, this is the one, because, you know, unfortunately that's just not how it works. But, you know, day one happened and, and 
you know, through some talks and, you know, day two, um, we had a pretty good idea the night before going into day two that they were going to take me with the second round pick uh, as long as nothing funky happens, which, you know, something does, does, yeah, something does every year. So, you know, I was still a little bit nervous, um, but obviously, you know, we were, we were pretty confident and uh, I just remember sitting there and, and freaking out because I'm like, I haven't gotten a phone call yet. Like, is this, you know, is no phone call good news or is it bad news? Um, and then so I ended up texting my agent right when round two started. And I was like, hey, are we still in the same spot? Like, are we good? Or, you know, what, what should I expect? He said, everything right now is still intact and it's where it should be. So, you know, like I said, as long as nothing weird happens, then, you know, we should be good to go. So very exciting. Yeah. So, and so who called you? Like, walk, walk me through the moment. Who who called? Did you pick up? Where were you? Family around? Like, what you kind of see on TV? Just describe the yeah. moment. Yeah, it was um, – this is another really funny story. My dad might hate me for this one, but he's <laughs> he's a numbers freak. And so he was sitting next to me on the couch right here with a sheet of every pick from last year, their pick, what they were slotted at, and what they got. And so he's like sitting here and we're one pick away. Like we're literally, we're at pick 42. And so I'm like sitting here, I'm shaking, I'm nervous. All my family is around and he's just over here, just casually scrolling down his list. And so I literally turn over to him like, this is kind of it. Like one more pick, like they're about to be on the clock and you're over here reading your sheets. And he's like, Oh, I'm just checking it out. Some, some. So he got all pissy, but you know, he set it down. And obviously when they went on the clock, everybody kind of went silent. Um, and then it was obviously pretty quick, you know, nothing weird did happen. And so right after that, it was just, you know, pure excitement and joy, um, you know, hugging all my family and, and just getting congratulations. And then, um, you know, Dayton uh, called me and Lonnie called me and Matt all called me right after the fact. Um, and then, you know, stuff just kind of flowed in that day. So it was answering texts and calls and saying thank yous and just, you know, appreciate everybody's support. What so? What time were you act like? What time were you actually selected? Was it in the evening, afternoon? I don't. How does the second round work? It's so day two is a starts at twelve. I think it started at twelve o'clock. I can't fully remember if I'm be honest. I was so yeah in on draft, but because obviously uh, night one is now like a TV event, like MLB yeah. Network at seven o'clock. But second round, I assume, starts what Friday afternoon or, or whenever it was. Yep. Yep. It started, I believe it was a Monday, um, Monday, but it started in the afternoon because I got up and went and got my whole family breakfast because I couldn't sit still. I needed to do something. So I got up and got everybody breakfast and then um, started, you know, in the afternoon. And there's only a couple picks before, you know, the 43rd. So a um, lot of nerves, but they were over quickly and then, you know, got to enjoy the rest of the day. Monday night celebration, glass of whiskey with dad. I know, <laughs> I know you're 18, so I, I can't assume, but like what? celebration with the boys, the high school team. What, what was it? Uh, a little bit of everything. You know, I, I popped a bottle of champagne, didn't drink any, but I got popped a bottle of champagne in the front yard after it. Um, and then the rest of the day was, um, you know, kind of just hanging out with a lot of the boys. I spent a lot of the, the good portion of the day with my family. They were all over, you know, former coaches and stuff. So first few hours was all with them. And then when they dispersed, I, you know, met up with some of my close high school buddies and, and guys I grew up with and just, Hung out, enjoyed it. Um, you know, there's still a lot to figure out. So uh, definitely, definitely an interesting day. I can imagine. So, I mean, the figuring out part now comes down to LSU or pitching professional baseball. And obviously there's a couple million reasons why I'm sure helping push you to pro baseball. But how difficult a decision was that? Walk us kind of through the process of picking professional baseball in the Royals over kind of your dream school in LSU. 
Yeah, I think we had a pretty good plan in place well before the draft and even well before high school started just because, um, you know, my agent had told us, he said, you know, obviously high school, you want to focus on high school. The draft rolls around. There's going to be a bunch of news and you're going to want to stay away from that. Like get our plan in place now. So, you know, going into high school year, um, you know, we had my number already and he said, you know, the biggest thing for you is, is you want to base your number off of if you get it, then you can say, I want to go play pro ball and you're not going to regret not going to college and then vice versa, where if you go to college, he just said, if you go to college and you wish you were playing pro ball, college is going to eat you up and spit you out. Vice versa, if you get into pro ball and you say, gosh, now I wish I was in college, pro ball is going to eat you up and spit you out. So he said, you just got to, you know, think long and hard about what it's going to take for you to, you know, forego college. Um, and if you get it and you're and you're happy, then absolutely. And if not, then, you know, you got three years at a pristine baseball school, a fun school, um, you know, and a good college. And then we'll do it again in three years. So we were confident going into it. And, you know, it wasn't super nervous just because we would pre-planned uh, pre a lot. And then, you know, obviously when they called and said that, you know, they were going to ma uh, match my number and, and meet it there, then easy pickings. So I feel like every guy who's gotten drafted has some sort of like first purchase. Did you have something in mind? Did you make, you know, take the, take your buddies out for a, you know, round of golf? What, like what, what was that first purchase like? Uh, I'd say the first big one that, that hurt a little bit was I got, I just got my new car and, so that was that was my big thing. And that's really the only big one I've had so far. Um, was just my new car. So what what do you drive? Uh I got a new truck. I had this I this is just something that's one of my pet peeves with my I had a old truck in, in high school and I hate that it wasn't four wheel drive. I don't know what it was, but I was like, all trucks should be four wheel drive. Mine's not. That makes me mad. And so when I got a new one, um, you know, obviously Kansas City, you know, kind of country kid. I, I always, you know, trucks are kind of my thing. So ended up getting my new truck. Um, and besides that, I'd say the rest of it is either in savings or in pro V one golf balls that are now sitting at the bottom of ponds. So there you go. Well, at least on the Kansas side, they plow your road. So you need four wheel drive a little bit less than the people on the Missouri side, like me who always need four, four wheel drive. Yep. Yeah. It's yep. I digress. All right. Let's do a little Kansas city rapid fire. Since you're a Kansas city kid, go to barbecue spot. And what's your order? Ooh, um, Jack stack. And I'm going to go with the me sweet corn and a pulled pork sandwich. All right. And the burn ends. You got to go with the burn ends, too. The, their cheesy corn is something different. It's unbelievable. All right. High school team you couldn't wait to beat. Uh, Blue Valley, I couldn't wait to beat. We didn't end up beating them, but that was the one game I looked for all year. But I'd probably say Blue Valley Northwest was the other strictly because one of our old coaches was the head coach there now. So it's all love, but, but, you know, jokingly bad blood. Uh, favorite golf course in Kansas City to go play? Skies and Ladies, 135th and Quivira. That's a good track. Not too much water, though, for the Pro V1s, but. No, no, not just a bunch of trees I can shank it into, but. Yeah, exactly. I found it. All right. You can only get food on one road for the rest of your life. Anything on Metcalf or anything on 135th? Uh, give me 135th. Got to be. All the chicken spots are on 135th. Bingo. I got a Chick-fil-A Panda Express canes. I'm sold. That's all I need. Kansas is better than Missouri because blank. Oh, I feel like I might start a fight with this one. Um, I'll send it to Carter after we're done. And then uh, when he's on the podcast, we'll, we'll get a little uh, answer. 
Give me a, oh, this one might start a fight. Okay, this is just personal opinion, so no one can hate on me for this, but give me nicer people. I just, I think everyone I've met from Kansas is usually a little bit nicer. Okay. Arrowhead or Fog Allen, what's got the better atmosphere? <sighs> gotta go, oh God, gotta go Arrowhead. Because I saw you retweeted that when they were national champs, so I assume you're a Kansas fan. I'm a big KU basketball fan. I go to, when I'm back for Thanksgiving and Christmas, I always go to games with my dad unbeatable atmosphere but chiefs arrowhead especially during playoff time you just can't beat it what's crazy is actually like i probably agree with you but kaufman in 14 and 15 on low arrowhead out of the water when it comes yep. to atmosphere like yep. that's what i'm so excited about the next round of of royals baseball playoffs it's it's unlike anything i've ever been to it's i mean it's just the city though like the people are so passionate and it's kind of one of those teams that like there's not a ton around it. And so everybody's a fan of that one team. Yeah. Um, but you're, I mean, you're not wrong. I always try to tell the guys that aren't from here. I'm like, you, I'm telling you, like, you think you got Yankee stadium in Philly. I'm like, wait till Kaufman is completely full in playoff baseball. I'm like, it's top five stadium to play playoff baseball in. hundred percent. Where's your favorite place to sit at the K? Can I say the diamond club? Yeah. <laughs> sat yeah. There, once. there you go. Diamond club sat there once free nachos and chicken tenders. Take that all day. Yeah. You know, I was remembering when you were at the beginning of the interview, like you you said in those dugout seats, those are crazy seats, but it's actually not the best place to watch a game because you're actually so low. You appreciate the yeah. speed of everything, but you can't really see what's going on as well. Yeah, especially when you're, you know, five foot one, a little kid, and you can't see over anybody. You're like hopping up on shoulders like, hey, can I see? Can I see? But you're not wrong. And I'm, I'm scared to sit on the top of the bench because I don't need a foul ball coming in through, you know, hit me in my bald dome or anything like that. Yep, there you go. All right, let's move to like the, your professional career. Like, so your first spring training was 2022, right? Correct. So I'm going to, I feel like I got to ask every guy this one. Have you met Zach Greinke? Two, do you have a Zach Greinke story? So I have not formally met him yet, like a true conversation, but I see him in the weight room all the time. Like usually when I'm either warming up or I'm lifting, he's in there. And I don't have like a true story with him, but I'll, I'll give you my first impression story because, you know, I'd kind of seen him walking around, but we showed back up this year and I'm in the weight room and I look over to the right and like in my eyes, I'm looking at a new 23 year old that we just traded for who is looks like they lift weights seven days a week and they look like they've got like we kind of use the word like drip, but like they've got like kind of the swag of like what a young player like an Acuna or something would have in today's game. And so I did a double take and it's just Zach Greinke doing like hip warm up exercises. And it was like kind of the first time I was like, you know, you expect like dude's a hall of famer, but like you'd expect, you know, some of the older guys are a little, you know, more tucked away and um, he's just out there. But I mean, he was a lot stronger and bigger than I thought he actually was like, he's huge. Um, but actually I can, I lied. I can give you a story about Zach Greinke. This one's really good. So spring training 22, the big league team was up on the top fields doing something that day. So we were down on the big league fields and our pitching group is huddled in the right field corner of where they usually practice on the big league field. And so we're all huddled up. Our pitching coaches are talking to us. We're kind of going over some things. And here you see Zach's, Zach is walking in like triple XL t-shirt, like hanging down to his knees, guys just strutting this stuff. And so, you know, everybody kind of turns, acknowledges, and then we go back to listen to our coaches. Well, he just meanders in between all of us and just starts standing in the middle of our meeting, thinking it was like a big league meeting. He thought he had to be there. 
Well, then a coach comes out from behind him and he's like, Zach, like this isn't our meeting. We got to go. Like you're supposed to be up top right now. And he was like, huh? Well, this isn't our meeting. And then so he kind of like turned out and slowly just walked all the way up to home and then down the other line. But all of us were dying laughing. I was like, kind of just walked up and wanted to join the meeting and didn't even realize, you know, he was surrounded by a bunch of low A kids. I swear. It's like, you can ask anybody, even if, even like you, he's never met, you've never met him, but you still have a Zach Ranky story. He must be one of the most unique and like ridiculously talented pitchers in the history of baseball. Like, you know, Verlander's throwing still 97 at 39, 40 years old. What Zach Granke still does and still effective is, I mean, he's a no ballot Hall of Famer or sure ballot Hall of Famer, I should say. What was your biggest takeaway from your first spring training? You know, you're, you're amongst, you know, professionals, guys who played at the big league level, the Salvies, the Brady Singers. Like what, what was that big takeaway? What was kind of that, that moment for you? I think the big thing I got just from talking to a lot of the older guys at, you know, AAA, big leagues, double A, even high A and low A previous years was just one, not to take days for granted, but be able to flush the bad days. Um, because, you know, going from being in high school and playing, you know, 20 games a year in a, in a three month season, um, you know, to going and playing 140 games in, in six months, they're like, you're going to have your up and down days. You're going to have your bad days. Um, they just, the big thing I got was don't take any of them for granted, show up, get your work in. And the second is just be able to flush the bad days out, leave it at the field, reset and just come back, um, you know, the next day ready to compete again, which is a little something I'm going through at the start of this year, but, um, you know, building off it a little bit. Did you ever have that wow moment? Like, holy shit, there's DeGrom, that's Salvador Perez. Like, does that happen in baseball? You know, I'd say it's it's very cool. Like when you see, like obviously when I see Sally, like even guys like me, because you know I grew up watching him. And it's like for a Kansas City fan, like you know he's kind of was the face of the organization to me. You know, growing up a fan, and so um, you know there. I even when I still see him, like I could see him. You know, right now I'd be like, you know, holy crap, like that's Sally right there, like that's sick. But the more you kind of get into pro ball, like you kind of, like I said, you don't idolize as much, but you more just try to like pick their brains and, and get information from them or watch them and learn from them. Um, but it's still cool to see, like, you know, you walk outside after you're done day and you're watching DeGrom, you know, throw 101 and a start is like, okay, yeah, this is cool. So then you go to Columbia, you're 19 years old. And I like, I don't think people appreciate how hard it probably is. Right. I mean, you, you've been living with your parents, you're in high school. And then all of a sudden, I mean, I guess people do go away for college, right? But it's a little more structured. Now you're in a foreign place. You're asked to be a pro at 19 years old. You're living on your own. Like my freshman year of college, I lost 35 pounds because I just, I didn't know how to like eat without, you know, parents and all that stuff. How hard is that transition from, from high school to pro ball, you know, going to Columbia and being a professional, working on your craft, but also just learning about life? It's definitely a change. You know, I was I've always been super independent and I think part of it, I owe a lot to my parents because they, you know, even growing up from little league to especially high school, like they were never the ones that said, hey, you need to go lift. You need to go do this. You need to go through. You need to go. They kind of just put it on me and they said, you know, it's all on you. If you still want to do it, like we're more than happy to pay for it and you can travel and do your tournaments and stuff. But they said the second that you get lazy and and you don't like it anymore, then, you know, we're not going to pay. So. I'd say from a pretty young age, I was very independent about kind of going about my business and, and knowing when to get things done. 
Um, and it's still a transition, you know, showing up six days a week and playing six days a week was something I'd never done. Um, like you said, kind of just like the whole cooking and this and that, because, um, you know, it's expensive trying to like, you can't just eat out every day for every meal. Um, so there's, there's a good transition period. And I think, um, you learn pretty quick. And I also would say that, you know, having Shane and Frank, the two other and Carter last year, um, you know, all four of us high schoolers, I think makes it a little easier because we're all in the same boat. So instead of, you know, one of us trying to figure out, you know, it's four of us, um, but, you know, you kind of just you live and you learn. That's kind of how I always look at it. You know, going to make mistakes. You're going to learn things. You're going to, you know, try new things and, and whatever. But um, kind of just live and you learn and you figure things out along the way. And I assume Columbia, South Carolina is probably a good place to do that with the college there. A lot of young people, good city. It is. Yeah, no, that's an awesome <laughs> spot. I'm uh, blessed. My best friend from high school, he plays baseball here at South Carolina. So last year when he came back towards the end of the season, I got to, you know, see him for the first time in a while and hang out and he's kind of going through it too. He's like, man, I just, it's like the amount of ramen I've eaten this year because I don't know how to cook anything. He's like, I, all I know is just to put water into the fill up line and then stir it after and put the packet in. But uh, no, it's a great place. The fans here are great. The weather is great. Um, the town is fun. So uh, definitely a good spot to be. Carolina barbecue. Yay or nay? Nay. It's too vinegary for me. Yeah. I mean, once you have Kansas City barbecue sauce, we're all kind of like. Exactly. I'm not going to go anywhere else and have barbecue. It's just not like, why would, exactly. I, why would I do that? People around here are always like, oh, let's go get barbecue. Or we'll have it for like a post-game meal. And they're like, oh, it's barbecue so good. And I'm like, y'all have, have no idea. idea. You have no come, idea. Come to Jack Stack and get some cheesy Cornell. Really okay, change your there life. There you go. Change your life. <laughs> so um, in 2007, I was actually a, an announcer for the Fredericksburg Nationals in okay. the Carolina League. I'm going to say something. You don't have to agree, disagree. You don't even have to say anything. I got to go on one road trip that summer. And it was to Kinston, North Carolina, which is now like the Wood Ducks or Down East or something like down, that. Down East, Wood, Woodpeckers. The wood yeah, Ducks. Wood Ducks, something like that. I don't know why they changed it. it. It was the Kinston Indians when I was there. I'm not sure there's a worse place on earth than Kinston, North Carolina. I, I can see you laughing. You don't have to say anything. I don't want you to get in trouble or, you know, start a start a fight with the wood ducks or anything like that. I never want to find myself in Kinston, North Carolina again. There, I, I'll just, I'll, I will say there are some <laughs> spots that you'd probably rather be playing than not. And and that's Kinston's funny because where we stay in Kinston, it's called, um, it's called the mother earth motor lodge. And if you ever have a chance to look it up, do so. It's basically just kind of a, funky wacky like rainbow sheets and rainbow pillow beds and whatever whatever but um i didn't dislike kinston it was hot there it's really hot and muggy um yeah but there's i would say a lot some of the places in in the northern the northern teams in the, in the you know north part of our league um part of it's just kind of the areas they're in like it's kind of hard to find like a you don't have a charleston or a columbia or a myrtle beach you've got you know Lynchburg, Virginia, and Salem, Virginia, and Kinston, North Carolina. So uh, there's not a ton of great spots, but, you know, take what you can get. Myrtle Beach was always the road trip. The It was then the Potomac Nationals were excited about going to. I remember that, but I got stuck going to the Kinston, North Carolina swing. So I, I miss Myrtle Beach, which whatever. It's a, I, was, I was only 18 or 20 at that point. So through two starts now in 2023, you know, it's early, but like, do you have a goal for this year? How do you how do you set goals for yourself? Is it 
a certain statistic? Is it something you're just working on? Is it to get to, you know, high A, double A? What, what's, what's kind of your goal for 2023 and how do you, how do you assess, you know, it is a, is a success or a failure at the end of the year? I think the biggest thing is on the developmental side of just sticking to the plan um, that our coaches have put in place, you know, obviously everybody wants to chase, um, you know, zero ERA or X amount of strikeouts or, you know, this many more than innings pitched I have. So, you know, obviously you look at the stats and they reflect a little bit, but I think, you know, while you're in low and high, it's just kind of figuring out what kind of pitcher you are, what you do well, maybe it's working on like this year going into it. My big thing was just my slider, like working on getting my slider back to how it used to be, which, um, you know, my fastball velo has gone up this year a lot, which is good back to where I was right when I got drafted. My changeup's gotten better and my slider is the best it's been since I've gotten drafted. But then you look at the numbers and it's like, well, maybe it doesn't, you know, it doesn't necessarily reflect that completely. So there's always give and take, but I think, um, you know, as long as I just stay, stay on the course, you know, obviously I'd, I'd like to, you know, get up to high this year. Um, we've got a lot of guys in double A. So, um, you know, I usually take a, a realistic approach, you know, obviously there's, guys that look at things realistically and optimistically. And most of the time I just take the realistic route and say, you know, do I want to tell myself I'm going to get to double A by the end of the year? Sure. Is it very likely? No, but kind of just take it day by day. I just, you know, where my feet are at is is where they are. And, you know, every day just try to get better and and progress, you know, how they want me to and and all the things they want me to. And at the end of the season, I think as long as I can look back and just say, did I get better from last year? You know, whether that's what the RA says or the strikeouts say or, you know, the walks to K ratio says, um, you know, if I can sit down with the coaches at the end of the year and we can say you took very good steps this year to where we want you to be, then as a successful year. All right. So we end each podcast and appreciate you taking the time today. We're going to end each podcast with something called on the bus. It's basically rapid fire, random questions about some of your teammates and what it's like kind of riding the bus in the minor leagues. So. Uh, a teammate who can fall asleep anywhere. Uh, Frank Mazzucato. Just out like I'm a light. Five minutes on a on a bus with curled up in a ball, and he somehow sleeps. I don't get it. But is that not you? You can't fall asleep on the bus. I, I can. I can't. Their two seats are small, and I'm just a little too big. I can't move around like I want to. But he can. Top five artists on your Spotify, Apple Music, however you listen to music. Top five artists. Uh, right now. It's- Right, Morgan Wallen, Luke Combs, Future, Eminem, and Lil Baby. Do you have a go-to song that you have to listen to before you pitch? Uh, Till I Collapse by Eminem is played is the last song played every time before my outing. And when do you listen to it before you go to the bullpen? Uh, yeah, before I, I walk out to stretch and, and start throwing when I'm getting the rest of my uniform on, tying up my cleats. It's usually it's roughly a five-minute song, so the five minutes before I head out is, is when I turn it on also on my list so that's a phenomenal go, yep. phenomenal workout song i may you may have already answered your least favorite carolina league city what's your favorite myrtle beach probably just goes we're right on the beach can't beat it what's on netflix right now or amazon prime or whatever whatever you're streaming what's on the list um been a lot of movies lately um but i got into uh criminal minds again i've been big into that um, I watched Moneyball the other day with Dave Samlin, my roommate. Um, other than that, I'm not, it's weird. I'm not a huge Netflix guy. You, Amazon Prime, any of them, any of the streaming services? 
Uh, I'm like, I have Hulu to watch like college hoops, but like, I usually like, I, I watch a lot of YouTube. Like that's kind of my, like I'll probably end up watching more YouTube than I do Netflix. Do you know the real story about Moneyball? It's one of my biggest movie pet peeves of all time. Give it to me. Okay. You, you just watched the movie, so you should be pretty familiar. They never talk about Barry Zito, Mark Mulder, or Tim Hudson, three guys who want to say young. Miguel Tejada was the reigning AL MVP. Never yep. hear about him. They had an incredible roster, but they would make you think that, like, they were terrible. Kenneth Bradford was like, yeah. <laughs> pulled off the scraps like it's the, the movie Major League. Like, that, yeah. that Oakland A's team was loaded, but you would never yeah. know. That's my big pet peeve. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's a good movie, but you're not wrong. Like, some of the name, like, because we always like to look into it, but like, from a name, like, on a piece of paper, you'd look at it and go, like, this is probably what this lineup should have done this year, but they played it out to be like, holy miracle like this was the greatest thing that baseball has ever happened yeah because eric chavez was on that team too he was a gold glove third yeah. baseman and hit like 30 bomb yeah yep i won't take too much of your time on my dislike of Moneyball, but good movie no. not accurate have you seen bull durham i have not you have not seen bull durham i have not all right put it on the list for the next bus trip because all right must watch baseball movie and it's all about the carolina league oh but all right there you Noted. go one hitter you'd love to face that's currently playing, one hitter that's retired that you would have loved to have faced. Um, currently playing, Shohei or Trout, I think. One of those two. Um, let's see, pass. I got to go probably Ian Kinsler for a pass player. I think that'd be cool to throw against him. But, yeah, I'd say probably Shohei or Trout. Full circle with Ian Kinsler. There you go. Go to road trip snack. Oh, give me sweet tart ropes. It's a cheap food. I'm going to get in trouble for saying that one. Um, give me a, a nice red Gatorade and potentially a bag of jalapeno chips. The bus breaks down. You get a flat tire. Which teammate is most likely to be able to fix a spare or a flat? Um, give me Brett Squires. Okay. Or... Brent, now, Brennan McNair. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna say BMAC for that one. Brennan McNair for sure. Uh, major leaguer who you lean on for advice? Uh, I think if I could have one, probably in our organization would probably be. I'd like to say Granky. It'd be cool, but uh, one person that's actually been really cool to us, and, and other three, but Vinny Pasquantino has been really cool to all of us. We used to do morning coffee. Uh, him, Nate Eaton. Um, Michael Massey, those three guys were incredible to us our first year in spring training. We got to know them super well. Um, and those three, whenever we see them, it's, you know, hey, what's going on? They ask us how we've been, how, you know, how we've been doing. Um, so if I truly had a question or wanted to find something out, I'd probably reach out to one of those three. Stadium you can't wait to pitch in that's not, the, that's not Kauffman Stadium. Give me Yankee Stadium on a Saturday night. With the bleacher bums, or not bleacher bums, the uh, bleacher creatures. Who are who are they? In right, give me field? every bleacher creature they have in the city. Thirty minutes to pick a current pitcher's brain. Who would you pick? Oh, it's got to be. I'd probably throw between either Verlander or Scherzer, but I'm going to go Scherzer just because he kind of seems like a psychopath, and I kind of want to understand why <laughs> he is like he is. I don't think he seems like it. I think he probably is one. <laughs> Could possibly be one, but. All right, final one. You're probably focused on the game as well. You should be, but do you guys do you realize that the Flyers or Fireflies do two dollar Millilite Tuesdays when you guys are at home? I did not until I saw their tweet the other day, and that was the first time I'd known they did. 
I will come to Columbia for two dollar Miller Lights. I mean that is go. that is a minor league promotion I can get behind. Yeah. <laughs> ben, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for taking the time today. And uh, when you're in KC, let us know. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate having me on. Really appreciate Ben taking the time to sit down with me for thirty to forty five minutes on an off day down in Columbia the day after he pitched. A really, really impressive young kid, and again, super talented number two overall prospect in the Royals organization and couldn't have had a better guest for the debut episode here on the Out of Options podcast. One last reminder to subscribe and download to the podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts on the Odyssey app, Apple Music, Google, Spotify, wherever. Uh, But please hit that subscribe button and please download each individual episode um, here on the Out of Options podcast. New episodes every Tuesday during the baseball season. And next week's guest, I'll keep a secret, but another top prospect in the Royals organization. Thanks again for listening to the Out of Options podcast, the debut episode, and please look out for next week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Steven Spector, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday.